0: Hello dear listeners, you are about to listen to special episode number 16 of the Doctor Who podcast. Now if you're tuning in to hear us discuss the monumental news that Russell T. Davis is returning to Doctor Who, then sadly this episode was recorded the day before that news story broke. However, the good news is that actually our reaction is already online. So go back to the DoctorWhoPodcast.com or check your podcast feed and look for the DWP news special that should be directly before this episode. Having said that, Drew and I discuss all manner of stuff relating to the future of Doctor Who. It's still, well, despite the fact I know what's coming because I'm on the episode, it's a really good listen. <laughs> and on that note, it's back to the period of time before we knew russell t davis is coming back to doctor who rtd out everybody rtd out he has been there too long what a dreadful storyteller
1: this is the doctor who podcast and you are most
0: welcome everyone to another special edition of the doctor who podcast and those listeners who remember my intro a couple of podcasts ago which um will probably be about three people if that uh i, I complained about the absence of a, of a certain presenter and i'm pleased to say that that problem has now been rectified drew is here hello drew hello james how the devil are you
1: james i'm very tired um uh- the weight of of the last 18 months weighs heavily upon my shoulders and head okay. and neck, lower back too. Can I also mention that my knees have been hurting recently? I, I guess, you know, prior to what I want, I guess I'm just getting older. So you're a wreck basically, are you? Well,
0: same old, same old. <laughs> And listeners, Drew is younger than me, uh, so that doesn't really bode well. However, I I was very keen to get you on the show. One, because I always am, and uh, the the gaps between your contributions are are, are far, far too long. Uh, And of course, we've had some fairly major news break since you last featured on a DWP. And uh, I've discussed it with Phil, Ian, Michelle but I've not discussed it with either yourself or Brent. And um, I'm very keen, uh, well, for two things really, is is to understand the impact of the news that Whitaker and Chibnall are leaving the show in the US. And I'm also very keen to hear your view. Um, And I'm having to come to you for a US view because I asked Michelle and she basically said she didn't know. So it didn't really create a very good conversation. So Drew, I hope you're going to do better than that.
1: Um, <laughs> wow, I really wish that I could I could answer that confidently, that I'm going to be giving everyone a fresh perspective uh, and that I represent the entire population of the United States of America. Um, I don't even re- represent half or even a quarter, uh, but I can tell you what I think. Um, do you want to ask me questions or should I just start rambling? I, how you I don't do mind. This?
0: I mean, to be honest with you... Um rambly answers the questions kind of sums up the DWP in general doesn't it so okay um I think at the time of recording the news that they're leaving or the news of their departure must must have been announced two months ago two months ago yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. wow but how, how did you um how did you hear it and uh what impact did it have on you well I'm on social media quite frequently uh it
1: seems like at least 50 percent of my news feed are also Doctor Who fans or <laughs> whatever Doctor Who fans are calling themselves, Doctor Who tolerators, Doctor Who apologists, Doctor Who haters, you know, it's all basically the same thing. It, it, it falls under that umbrella term of fan. Uh, and bing! Hey! There's the news. Um, and it just showed up on about 80% of my feed for that for that hour and a half or so. Now, I'm I'm usually just on Facebook. Uh, I have because social pressures have ascended pinned my arms behind my back also created a twitter account and uh instagram feed uh, and i'm sure all of those i think i'm on a couple of slack groups i mean i'm oh, i'm God. you know i've got my fingers on the pulse of fandom um but let's just let's just go ahead and say all of those were were pinging and saying. beeping and whatnot yeah yeah there was a general thrum happening across the phone
0: So so a very similar kind of thing happened to me as well. It was uh, just Twitter and Facebook. I really can't cope with any more than perhaps those Mm -hmm. two um, different platforms. And uh, again, despite the fact that you made a very good case for being about 70 years of age in the opening, um, I I think once again, um, you've demonstrated how young and nubile you really are by having four uh, different social media platforms. So it's not going to work. You're you're, you're not a wreck, really. But, uh, but, I mean, when you when you read this, when you read this news, um, I mean, were you surprised. Um, I mean, it, presumably you'd heard the rumours that um, Whitaker at least was on her way. Um, that's, that's been rumbling around for the last six seven months.
1: I think it's been rumbling around for the last three years, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> since uh, she was arrived I, or since she yeah since since yeah. they announced her there's definitely been a population who's like when is she leaving is she yeah. gone yet is it uh is that happening yet I'm not a member of that group by the way I'm just go ahead and say that um am I surprised that Whitta was leaving no no three and out seems to be um you know like 80 percent of all the doctors since the classic era to present have have essentially attempted you know three I mean I I, I guess both um Baker and and uh uh, Pertwee kind of skew those figures a little bit, I guess, as, as Eccleston. But let's—I mean, there's a rough average of three series, seasons, whatnot. Uh, so yeah, no, I—I I was expecting it. I was expecting it. I wasn't necessarily expecting it from Chibnall. Supri- I wasn't blown away by the news. I—I—I uh, I, I, I can <laughs> see that. Just in the same way that Moffat just went. Twitter. No, I'm done with that now. Uh, Chibnall's like, oh, uh, having to deal with
0: fandom. I'm done with that now. Boop gone. Do you reckon that's what it is, though? Do you really think? Um, the, I, I don't think. I don't think it's a reaction. Listen, to Listen, in fandom. the
1: same way that I don't listen to rumors about what is happening in Doctor Who, I'm not going to speculate as to why anyone behind the scenes does. Anything that they do. Oh well, that'll do, make do I a boring
0: th- podcast. I was hoping you were going to come up with some theories.
1: No, 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 no. I don't speculate. I conspiracy. No, um. I mean, I, if you want completely unrealistic reasons, I mean, here's the thing. We all know that Shibnel is in fact. Um, a Slavine, and he that's the reason he just doesn't go <laughs> on to any kind of, po- uh, you know, like social media or interviews or anything. He can't keep stay inside his suit for too long, you know? It's a fairly slim suit to begin with. It's got to be very uncomfortable for him. And, you know, what are people going to think if he just starts farting everywhere, right?
0: Well, I think according to some elements of fandom, that's what he's been doing with stories for the last three years. And let's assume that this, this minority, uh, which is present... Within every era of Doctor Who, is just so keen right. for the next one. They just want the current incumbents out. Um, let's let's assume that they aren't really any greater in number uh, for this particular era, and yet social media and its continued uh, prominence in in people's lives has kind of amplified their their view. And of course, you get even people who just observe commentary, re- retweeting and commenting on absurd statements concerning the current team do sure. you I, I i think you know I mean this comes with a territory of, of producing any kind of fiction Doctor Who or otherwise these days you know you get entitled fan opinion when you've got a franchise uh, with the history of Doctor Who um you know Star Trek is the only other real comparable one possibly Star Wars and there's probably lots of others that I don't even know about. Is, is it to be expected in this day and age that the, the producers of the show are going to react to it a bit? Because, you know, I, I've got a very boring job by comparison, and yet I end up talking about the way I let contracts online, and I have people interact with me who I don't know and say, you've made a mistake there, why did you do that? And I'd be lying if I said it didn't have an impact on me when I... Recontracted or did it again at a later point, it's even if it's a voice in my head that I ignore and now amplify that up to 11, possibly with increased toxicity as well. And, And surely, you know, three years of wading through this mire, it's gonna take its toll, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and and let's not forget, idle hands are the devil's play thing. Uh, if you are only producing a show once every 18 months. Or whatever the average is, and then you're not, you're not giving the fandom anything. I mean, they're just not giving us anything. That's I think, and we'll probably talk more about that. But if you're not giving us something to talk about, we'll create something to talk about. Now. <laughs> um, those of us who podcast, we have a structured form. Everybody else in fandom just has whatever social media they want to spew their garbage into, and and um. I, I think it's very hard not to mm. be a part of fandom because 201, all three of our previous showrunners of the new series have been fans themselves. They're already a part of fandom. And 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 let's and let's be very honest here. We wouldn't have Doctor Who back if our showrunners hadn't been a part of Fandom. Now we would have had Doctor Who in some way, but it most likely would have been a complete and total reboot might have ignored the history of the show. Would that have been better? Maybe, but I think part of the reason that I enjoy being a fan of Doctor Who is it does have a rich history to explore. And Mm. so there is something very positive to be thought of by bringing those kind of experiences. But I also don't think it is the end all and be all of what is required to be a showrunner. I think being a showrunner has got to be a tremendous regardless of the show that you're running has got to be a very difficult process I don't even fully understand everything that goes into it but from what I've gathered from the very few articles I've listened to um, I think Reality Bomb did a really good interview fairly recently on on what it is to be a showrunner in general and what it was to be a showrunner on Doctor Who uh, it just seems like it would be one of those jobs similar to being a government or, pres- you know, something along those lines where it just sort of ages you uh, physically, spiritually, mentally. Um, I don't think even if I wanted to be uh, in that position, <laughs> I don't think I would want to be on it for very long. But if you are already a fan, don't you want to know what fans think? Well, let's read the comments. Never read the comments! I
0: mean, that's the thing. It's just like... This is it. This is it entirely. I, I, I think it would be completely disingenuous to think that um, the way fandom has behaved over the last few years didn't have any impact, good or bad, on, on how the program is, is is made. Program is made, no. But how the people who are making the program feel about fandom... Yes. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, my point really is the fact that I think it would have had an impact. And the only way in which I think you can say it isn't a response is if you ended up having a showrunner in, in situ who had absolutely no association with the show's history at all, because then I think fandom would be nothing other than just chatter in the background. Mm -hmm. And as you've pointed out, uh, certainly Moffat and and, and Davis were real fans. I think Chibnall was a very, very different kind of fan. Obviously, he loved the show from a very early age, and there's stuff online of him when he was very, very young, getting on television, I think, um, Mm -hmm. uh, giving his views of certain things. Um, But I I would say if if Chibnall was in the same kind of mould as a fan, then he wouldn't have taken some of the decisions that he would have done, because they're not necessarily typical decisions a fan would make uh, i think well i'm gonna stop you there because you are definitely wading to that dare,
1: dangerous territory of labeling us all under the same term and we there are very there are so many different ways to be fans uh you cannot call anyone not a real fan just because i'm not calling anyone not yeah, a real yeah no fan. well you said you know different they're definitely fan. yeah they're different fans and he's still a fan mm. and, and and part of the thing is doctor who is about change you know, it's not just the actors that's changed. I mean, just think about how different the show was under Cartmel as it was the preceding couple of years. I mean, I still wouldn't mind visiting that alternate reality of watching the next couple of seasons past 26 just to see how punk that show got. You mm-hmm. know, I think it would have gone in some really unusual ways, in in ways in which I, I look at those last three seasons as a f- form of, ooh... It's kind of refreshing. I'm I am i am not as bored by the, the show as as I was with you know the previous two Doctors, um, you know and and maybe that hurts some people's feelings because uh, they really liked, uh, you know, the, the fifth and sixth Doctors, and I do too in a sense. Uh, and I don't necessarily love every aspect about McCoy's run, but I will say that the direction Cartmel was taking the show was very different from what we were getting before and change can be good but the thing is important is even if change is bad it still has to be changed because if you have the show remain the way it is for too long it gets stale so you have to try something new sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't work sometimes it works for a lot of people and sometimes it doesn't work for a lot of people and i think Mm. that's essentially what we're seeing now don't get me wrong I am not apologizing for Chibnall and how Chibnall has run the show. I'm very happy to see Chibnall gone. Right. Uh, okay. Well, I, yeah. I
0: wouldn't go that far. And um, there's there, there's a reason why. And I think you're absolutely right about change. I, you haven't said anything I disagree with. Um, I do, however, think it's worth focusing on the range of change. And, sure. Uh, if if you take a look at the extent of change, even if, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something, some modern-day equivalent. If you look at when Stephen Moffat took over, and this is probably an example I've come up with before, so apologies, listeners, if you've heard this before, but the transition from David Tennant to Matt Smith, everything changed. The production, the style, the way the stories were told, everything changed. The things that didn't change was that he was still a white male. If you take a look at the changes that... John Nathan-Turner made when he came in for the Leisure Hive. Again, stylistically, everything changed. Um, and, and In fact, the changes were so great that it saw the end of, uh, of The Fourth Doctor. If you look at the changes that Chibnall has made, actually, I think they, they look massive. But beneath the surface, they're quite superficial. The stories are still the same. There's no real massive change in the way stories are told there's no real difference to the way the doctor is portrayed or the things that she does or says it, it it's kind of masquerading behind that strap line for the latest season which was everything you know has changed actually yeah the, the history might have changed but the stories and the characters haven't so it, it it's the extent of the change i think and the reasons for making that change i find are interesting and and, and whether or not it's even as straightforward as a, as a strategy, I'm not sure. Because I would have thought these changes that have been introduced to the doctors past and um, the fact that the marketing tuned into the fact that everything was changing, everything was new, I, I, I think kind of implies a much longer plan in three years. Particularly if that plan comes to an end, especially with COVID, a year before the 60th anniversary of the show which is going to be very difficult for the BBC to get to and celebrate with a new Doctor and a new team if indeed that's what they opt to do, which is why I don't think this was planned. And um, now I think you mentioned the word conspiracy theorist before, and yes, I'm certain I'm indulging in some creative thinking here. And um, I I, I just don't think this was on the cards.
1: Oh, I'm not not even going to speculate as to whether or not they had a three-year plan or not? I, I, I have no way of proving it. Well, does it seem? Yeah, does it seem? Done, does it seem inconvenient that we may not get a 60th anniversary because we're getting so much change? Yes. Yeah. Uh, do we have to have a 60th anniversary? Eh, I mean, you know, as a fan, I like to celebrate my fandom would I love to have seen a a, a a multiple doctor story celebrating 10 years later? Of course I would regardless of who the showrunner was. Could we possibly get one? Like you said it's going to be very difficult to pull that off unless they have something mm. going on behind the scenes. Hey let me tell you something. How much did you know about what was happening behind Doctor Who in the last three years? And if you say even more than what they told you, you're wrong, right? Because (laughs) they told us nothing. We knew nothing. nothing. It's got to the point where I stopped engaging with the program except for the moment I watched the episode, the moment I prepared to talk to you or Brent about the episode. That was it. Hey, James, guess how many times I've gone back and watched Doctor Who in the last three years when it wasn't for a podcast? Because if you guess zero, you are correct, with the exception of the time I went back and watched Horror Fang Rock because it was just that kind of afternoon. (laughs) That's that's just how I am engaging with fandom. I have taken my new adventure books off the shelf and put them in a box because I'm making room for... More things. You know, I'm not re- I haven't been able to read a book without pictures that wasn't for school in two years. So, having all of those Doctor Who books on there, I've moved them. Have I replaced them with role playing games and graphic novels and children's books? Yes, I have. <laughs> Has Doctor Who become a less important part of my life in the last three years? Yes. Is Chibnall's running of the show part of that problem? Maybe. I might have moved on. I don't even know. But I do want to say that I think the style of the show changed. I I don't think it's just necessarily by the plot and the back history. I don't think that's as important, though I do think what has essentially happened with the whole Timeless Child is it has opened for more diverse storytelling, and I, I like that. But the show as a procedural, the way they told it, the way they paced it, uh, I think that is a change. Um, I think, and I don't think it was a good change for me and I, I will say that as a, as a watcher and a listener as a fan, I didn't enjoy it. I, I think having I think having introducing so many characters like I would in a mystery novel because I don't they can't give us away who the killer was. so we're gonna throw like five or six people, even though only one of two of them matter. I think the the way they formatted the show in that way didn't work for me, but they mm. did take a swing um i i have had a lot of conversations about orphan 55 with a lot of people because it i i kind of hate it uh a lot um but i always give defenders of something a chance and one of the things graham burke of reality bomb told me uh, is that at least they took a swing uh they tried something
0: different and uh, even though they failed spectacularly at least they it tried. wasn't different it wasn't different. It was exactly the same. But that's a whole different conversation. It was exactly the same as what's been done before, badly. Sure.
1: We can go that route as well. <laughs> but, 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 uh, yeah, there you go. Sure. Sure. <laughs>
0: I did want to ask uh, one other thing. As I said, we, we talked about you representing the entire continent, uh, or yes, at least uh, North that's, America.
1: Yes, I, I accept uh, the entire continental United States. I, know, yeah. I, I do not represent
0: Hawaii in any way, shape, or form. I have nothing to do with Guam. Alaska can hit or miss. There you go. Go for okay, it. OK, okay. With, with those notable exceptions then, uh, what was your take on how US fandom received the news? I Honestly,
1: I think everyone saw it coming, uh, more or less. Um, Just from my feed, it, it didn't seem like people were were too surprised. Um, definitely not by Whitaker at all. Um, I think a lot of people are bummed. I know I'm bummed. I would have liked to have seen Whitaker under a different showrunner. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm very happy with every aspect of Jodie's performance take of it. I actually really even like the way she interacts with fans. Um, you know, I don't. It, here's the thing, and I know we're just slightly off topic from this, but I feel like she got the rawest of raw deals. You know, we got one hmm. season before basically everything fell down. We didn't have the Doctor Who experience that she could suddenly just pop in and surprise fans you know, in the way that Capaldi could do. I mean, how heartwarming was just being able to pop on the news and see just yet another glimpse of Capaldi showing up and surprising some children and talking to them. I mean, we got like zip zero. I mean, I know it's it's something I'm harping on a lot, but I think that's a big part of it. I don't feel like I got to see Jodie Whitaker enough as the doctor both mm-hmm. on screen and behind the scenes. Uh, and so I will miss her a lot because I feel like she could have been a real ambassador Yeah. For this program, if given the chance. And I'm going to put a lot of blame on that, on the political landscape. I'm not going to go into too much politics and COVID. And I I, I think both of those really has sort of changed how we are engaging with shows in general. I mean, just how television is being made. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that I can stream movies the day of or that Disney plus is giving me exclusive rights to some films, but not others. I mean, I haven't been in a movie theater since my birthday, uh, 2020, which is, you know, it's been a while.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I I think certainly COVID has had a massive impact on the things that you just outlined. Um, so articulately there, I think, and that, you know, there's always been elements of the, of the show and, uh, you know, that have extended well beyond the actual episodes produced. And, um, you You have the lead actor engaging in those areas to, to very indifferent extents. Tom Baker, I think, almost lost his sense of identity uh, because he he went everywhere. As the Fourth Doctor, even when he was doing public performances or opening something, again, you know, he was always in character. Uh, I, I think you you look at um, Peter Capaldi as well. Again, very similar. Lots of comparisons to what William Hartnell did, you know, sixty years or so ago. And I I do think that kind of comes with a job, but it's also linked very closely to the approach to marketing and branding taken mm-hmm. to the entire franchise. And as you accurately. Mentioned earlier, that's dropped off a cliff. Yeah. Someone's pressed a mute button. Now, I I think that has been a decision on on behalf of the production office. I am absolutely certain a lack of money has had something to do with it as well. They've just wanted to get on with it in the, in mm-hmm. the light of the fact there's a pandemic as well. But I think it's all linked, and I think the profile of the show has either changed to the point where I no longer see it as regularly or as frequently as I used to, or there has been a general decline, you know, and, and I don't know I don't know which is really true, whether it's just changed and evolved and targeting another group of fans uh, that I don't, you know, I'm not part of, or whether or not it has actually stopped. I like to think it is the fact that they've switched strategy. Hey,
1: I just want to take this moment to say, Edward Russell, I miss you. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Both, <laughs> both behind the scenes as brand manager, but just also hanging out with you at conventions I miss getting the toy announcements, I miss seeing the books, I miss seeing, you know, I I haven't I don't miss going to malls, but when I went to malls, even walking past Hot Topic, if you don't know what it is, don't look it up, but just seeing Doctor Who stuff, you know, my friend Kelly Yates does the, the artwork for a lot of Hot Topic's Doctor Who stuff, it's all fabulous, it looks great. Remember when the 50th was around, and I don't know how much of that, it was just the build-up, that was coming to BBC America for the first time. I mean, it's really difficult to compare one time to another, especially 10 years after. But there was a time in the United States where Doctor Who was the thing. And the Mm. show felt not international. It didn't feel just British. It felt universal. And, you know, the 50th anniversary is a big thing. It's something to celebrate. My God, you mentioned Star Trek earlier. You know what we did for Star Trek's 50th anniversary? Bupkis, right? Like, nothing happened. I, it wasn't even a blip, and I, I'm i not <laughs> in the same Star Trek circles that I am, Doctor Who, but even my Star Trek fans were like, where is anything? Yeah. Ple- yeah Any, yeah. anything.
0: It, it, it's strange, isn't it? Uh, because they, they, they made such an effort to establish themselves in America, uh, mm-hmm. again, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, you think about the... <sighs> pre-broadcast marketing um, for season six, which started with The Impossible Astronaut right. and uh, Day of the Moon. And that was filmed in America. And th- th- there were, you know, images of Matt Smith in Times Square. This is before the 50th, obviously. Sure. And, yeah. you know, the amount of time and money and effort, uh, it, was, it extended far more. Than uh, than just the the cursory visit to to Comic Con, uh, which later wasn't even guaranteed anyway. And uh, you compare it to now, and I know I know we're getting older. And your your point is really valid. The fact that things change over ten years, and you know nothing changes things more than a global pandemic. Um, sure. But I, but this is this is a global pandemic with a reduction of money coming into the to the franchise. I think at its uh, grassroots along with a deliberate change of strategy from a new showrunner and you've created a perfect storm and rather than create that slight change that everyone welcomes and really enjoys I think all of a sudden is that COVID has ramped that up to 11 and uh, it just feels as though there is a dearth now and uh, I think that's a real shame Um, but we'll, we'll have to see this is one brand that creates a lot of money for the BBC Mm -hmm. and now I know I know that income the commercial revenue has dropped off a cliff in the last couple of years for again a number of reasons and this is why I think um, the casting of the next Doctor won't necessarily be chosen by the outgoing showrunner in fact Chibnall said that's not going to happen bearing in mind both RTD and Moffat had some say in their successor this is going to be a commercial decision. There's going to be a very large commercial voice. And if the casting of Jodie as a female doctor is accepted as a reason as to why that's happened, then I fear for the future of the show. Have you watched the television program Community? I think I've seen about two episodes. Okay.
1: Um, There's an episode you should watch. Um, Season four, not a great season, but on the show of Community... The characters like a Doctor Who knockoff show, uh, Inspector Space Time. Uh, oh, yes. Travis Ritchie, uh, previous guest on uh, Who and Company. Anyway, um, <laughs> they go to an Inspector Space Time convention. Matt Lucas is a a Inspector Space Time fan, and while they are traveling to this convention, a couple of the other members of community, the characters who don't know the show, are you know asking the kind of inane questions that. Any of us, any of the, you know, the not we would ask if we we brought them to a who convention, um. And at one point in time, they come to a signing booth, and there was a woman behind there, and she was the f- one female <laughs> inspector uh, who they refer to as Minerva, and everyone's like, oh, don't talk about that. You know, this is well before Whitaker, and what they're doing is essentially reflecting the fans who didn't want that kind of change. They are. even community is not saying we don't want a female doctor. They're saying these are what the fans are saying and look at how weird the fans are. My fear is that the way these last three seasons were handled, sorry, series, series were handled, the way COVID is, is, the way the, just the landscape, the way the world is, will reflect negatively on Jodie Whittaker. And I Mm. don't want that. I don't. There has to be uh, a certain historicism to viewing this time. In the same way, there has to be a certain historicism when you're looking at the the television movie from 96, right? Like, it's just, you can't look at it in a vacuum. You have to look at it more. And I'm really afraid, just like you kind of mentioned, that that will be used not just against Whitaker, but against casting decisions in the future. I think it will. Will I stop watching the show if they cast another white man? No, I won't. I'll be disappointed. I think there there are stories that you can tell that are different. You know, there's stories you can tell that can only be told if you're not white and not male. And I think that's a direction I want to see with the show because I think it's going to be interesting to see some change. I imagine too that it's possible that we are going to get a, dare I say it,
0: hiatus. Um, I think that's the most likely outcome. Yeah, I really do. And I, and I think it's because of the business decision and um, that the BBC are going to have to take. And I don't know who's going to be involved in making this call, but it's definitely someone from a commercial background will be there um, to talk about income from licensing and branding. But I think they've got a choice. They either accept that right, we want more of the same we want more of the same and that i think is going to be unacceptable to certain parts of the bbc or they say how do we change this do we go back and cast a white man do we go somewhere else and cast a, a male person of color for example and i think that decision regardless of what they make is going to be is going to have the negative connotation certainly within fandom of saying right we're moving away from an era that we've now decided is a failure and I think that perception is going to be hard to get away from. And therefore, I think the most attractive option for the BBC will be to say, we're not making this call. Let's, let's refocus on the 50, 60 years that we currently have. Let's um, try all manner of online media for a couple of years. Let's really shift it. And then we'll leave that decision to somebody else as and when they bring the show back in a couple of years. So my view is that I think they're going to be damned if they are creative and uh, progressive and they're damned if they go back to what they now consider to be safe ground. I don't think they'll make the call, Drew. You know what? I'm not
1: worried about a hiatus. Um, And I'm not saying that because I don't think it's going to happen. I'm saying that that I think, you know what? Maybe we just have it. I think that it would be very cool if... I don't want to say five years. Boy, that really seems like a long time. But they really have prepped us uh, with the last couple of series to wait (laughs) over a long time. But let's say five years down the road, someone young, uh, someone who grew up with the Modern Who series takes the leads, maybe Mm. not as a showrunner, but as the head of a team. You know, give it to some younger folks who I don't want to say bogged down because I think being appreciative of your history is a good thing, but maybe being appreciative of your recent history is going to be better. Stuff that, you know, the BBC is going to have in one section. I mean, right now I can watch my classic Who on one streaming service and my modern Who on another streaming service. Put them on one service because what that's telling me is that there isn't a market for both of those. I mean, yes. I own everything. absolutely everything that is available on DVD and then some. but I'm we are in the minority and I think it needs to be uh, available to the public again. and I think part of that is going to be maybe taking a little bit of a break, reassessing how to take the modern show sensibilities. I mean, if you look at this the way that Disney is doing their miniseries now, you know, mm-hmm. six episodes, but really engaging fans, uh, I'm hoping that maybe this initial six episode arc that we're going to get whenever is is we're going to get it maybe follows that trend. I like individual stories. I like I like it to be, I like Doctor Who to be kind of pulpy, right? Like, you know, it can be anything. It could jump around. I think that's great. But maybe that's not what is needed to grab the world's attention the way that we had mm-hmm. it before. And I think that as long as they stick to the basic tenets of what makes doctor who the character the doctor and the show the show i think you can play around with that and if it requires them to just step back and change some things i'm all for it i'm yeah. all for it i i think it's going to be really important for us as fans to uh to uh you know maybe have another wilderness years but i think we are in a much better place as podcasters, as social media, uh, as, to to maintain that that level of fandom?
0: Yeah, uh, it I, very much depends. I mean, I, I don't have a particular concern if the show does go on hi- hiatus or is, you know, cancelled, I suppose, um, for the foreseeable future based on the fact that the 60 years of material is out there that I consume almost every day <laughs> in some form or another, and that's not going to go away. The thing that I always get concerned about, of course, is how much of the stuff that I enjoy is produced and made off the back of a current show being made. And, uh, for example, you take a look at the animations that you and I enjoy so much, you know, is is there going to be any impetus uh, to continue to, to produce those, for example, if there's no new modern brand? on the horizon, for example. I mean, they would have to tailor those almost exclusively for what we affectionately call the old crusty section of fandom, you know? Um. But, I mean, how many how many people who who are only fans of the
1: new series are probably spending a lot of money on that?
0: Well, it, it just depends where the money's coming from, you see. Sure. And I think it's coming from BBC Worldwide, and that's off the back of a successful marketing strategy from the current show. And if you take away a current mm. show... Does that money go back into, you know, uh, the production of these smaller uh, little projects? Um, and I, I think the longer you have a gap, you know, then the, the, the smaller the chances are of, um, of, of that money being guaranteed. bit different, you know, back in the 90s where, you know, the, the relative cost of producing a book range pale into insignificance compared to something like animating six or seven episodes. I mean Evil of the Daleks, seven episodes they did, you know, and it, incredible stuff. So I, excited for that. <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one. We, you no. know we we <laughs> were just talking
1: with Amory Walsh this past month. Um and who, Who's uh, we,
0: Drew? Come on, get so your plug Brent in Brent and I, sorry. Who in
1: company? Uh so please be aware that on the twenty seventh of September, the same day that Evil of the Daleks drops on the UK on DVD and Blu-ray probably. I actually don't know about the Blu-ray part. I'm just speaking out of my butt there. Uh, we are dropping our episode where we will be talking with the director of said magazine line. So um, it's a great interview. Um, not Has nothing to do with Brent or I. She She's uh, fantastic. I learned a tremendous amount about um, how the animation process is being made. I was wrong on almost all accounts. I'm very glad I didn't ask leading questions and just simply went, how are you
0: doing this? Because she explains it and it's really good Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she was at the BFI last week, I think, um, when, uh, for the screening of Evil, mm-hmm. which I did have a ticket to and then decided not to go to for a variety of reasons. But um, but yeah. There's a lot of that going around. Yeah, <sighs> there, there, there is. There really is. Anyway, Drew, we have recorded for twice the length of time I'd intended, but I, I suspect that I will not need to edit much out of this at all. Um, do you so, want me
1: to give you a couple of things to edit out? Because I can just give you a nice string of profanities right now.
0: No, no, that's okay. I can uh, right. I, I can just pick some other parts of the conversation I don't agree with to cut. So <laughs> <laughs> Your opinions. Gone. I do want to say this one last thing. Go for it. If we are not getting a
1: televised 60th anniversary, then fans, it is up to us to celebrate. Um, please be nice to one another. Start thinking about what you want to do now two years down the line. Uh, and let's make sure that we can take this into our own hands, but also make sure you take to social media, use proper hashtags, show the BBC that we are still fans, there are a lot of us, uh, and that we want to see the show back if there is a hiatus, because it is us speaking positively about a show, it is us speaking loudly about a program that will turn those heads and make those decisions now, and if they are making that decision you know, currently, if they are deciding whether or not they're taking our show from us for a limited amount of time, Doctor Who's never actually going away forever. Let's just be very honest about that. It is a show that will be, re- be able to regenerate uh, 5,002 times or whatever it is Matt Smith said in the, uh, the the Sarah Jane stories. But
0: 506.
1: 506. There you go. I was off by four. I'm, you know, considering five thousand is in there. I'm, I'm doing
0: okay. I don't Um, even know if it was five hundred and six. I just wanted to say something. I don't
1: care. I know. But even, even just that kind of conversation (laughs) online will show them that we're still there. Please, even if they're taking a break from the shows, and we know we still have our big finish. Thank God for big finish. I want the animation. We're still fans to keep on producing things. Hey, wouldn't it be great if you produced more things now than you were before? Even if the show's not on the air maybe start creating a team that can start the publicity and the brand management in a way that we we liked that will keep us it, it, part of the zeitgeist because it still has to be a conversation because we have to be excited about it. We can't just be excited about it for the brief moment that it's on. So there we go.
0: Thank you very much indeed, Drew. That was uh, that was wonderful. And uh, I, I think I may well try and employ you for two or three minute um, monologues at the end of future podcasts as well. Jerry Springer's final thought, Allah, Drew. I like that very much. It's, it's, it's been great to talk to you, Drew. Um, and you must come back on the show as soon as possible, not leave it another two or three months' time. Listeners, thank you very much for joining us. Drew, anything else you would like to... Convey to our listeners before you say goodbye.
1: I'm so tired, James.
0: <laughs> On that note, we'll be back very soon. Bye for now, listeners. That was the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com Thank you for listening. Take care.